Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to Move Your Mind. My name is Nick Brax, and this is a podcast where we have real conversations with real people and give real advice. On today's episode, I want to welcome Josh Connolly. As one of the UK's most influential mental health advocates, he regularly speaks on BBC, ITV, and Channel 5 News. He runs resilience workshops for village schools and global brands alike. He's doing some amazing work. I had such a great chat to him. He shared his story, he opened up, he showed vulnerability. He talked about his lowest points when he contemplated taking his own life, how he came back from that and got his life on track and found his life's purpose. Again, it was such an amazing interview to take part in, so I really hope you get a lot out of this. And just another reminder that the Move Your Mind book is now available globally. You can find all of the links at nickbrax.com, and we have released the Move Your Mind community platform. All you need to go to is moveyourmind.me to find all of the links it's a platform that we have all of our courses, information, live events, and much, much more. Would love you all to check it out. Thanks again for supporting us, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Finally, we had an issue with my external microphone. It didn't connect. Small technical problem. The quality is not quite as good as usual from my end, but I hope you still enjoy the episode. Apologies again. Josh, thank you, mate, for coming and making the time to talk to me. I actually came across you on uh, Instagram. Someone had sent me um a clip of you talking and i thought i looked you up and i was like this is amazing i love connecting with people you know working in the field you're in and it looks like you're making so much impact such important work so yeah first of all just thank you for making the time thank you yeah it's good to be here and um it's one of the real positive sides of social media right i think social media gets such a, a bad rap we forgot to we forget to mention uh some of the positive aspects of it so yes yeah, it's, it's good to be connected in that way yeah, hundred percent. I mean, there's so many negatives, so it is good that it can have you know that that side of it as well. It helps you learn about people. It's pretty much the the way that I find all of the guests for the um, for the podcast through social media. Yeah. So it yeah, does have that side. Um, before we before we get into it, do you mind just giving a um, a bit of a background on on yourself and I guess how you came to what you're doing today? Yeah, I guess to, to give you kind of uh, a brief outline, I. I, I... I work as a resilience coach today. So I work primarily with like uh, individuals and organizations, helping them to kind of promote a new idea of, of what it means to be resilient. One that is more about understanding ourselves on a, on a deeper level so we can make sure that we get our needs met. However, however that looks for us as, uh, you know, as a, as a person. And I came to that where I've been doing that now full time for a little over four years, I think. Um, and I came to it through my own my own experiences. I I, I grew up in a with my dad was an alcoholic, uh, and so I grew up sort of believing that your life was tough and you have to kind of bite down on the gum shield and get through life. And I I really felt that for a lot of my life. Um, but that led me to a place where I had a terrible problem with addiction. I, I struggled with alcohol um, uh, and other things. And was sort of in a real desperate way by my mid-20s. I, by the time I was 24, I was in 
a lot of debt. Um, I sort of always held down a job, but I had ch- my first daughter was born when I was 18 years old. Um, and so I was really lost. And I, I quit drinking when I was 24. So in 2012 is when I stopped using alcohol. And I thought that might make all my problems go away, but it, it, it didn't. It actually just left me with all of my problems, if I'm honest with you. Um, and since then, really, I've been on a journey of understanding myself, understanding why I show up to the world and why I experience the world in the way that I do. And, you know, during that 10-year journey that it's been since I quit using alcohol, I guess somewhere along the line, I decided I wanted to share what I've learned with the world. And that's where I am and what I do today. Yeah, well, I mean, so many things in there. And yeah, thank you for, for sharing that. And um, yeah, I mean, like you said, I think it's such an important um, part of the education as well with, um, you know, like what you were saying with alcohol, that we sort of get told that if we stop doing those behaviours when they're negative, that things are just automatically going to be better or okay. Or, you know, it's not really, we're not taught to look deeper into to what's going on or or find the root cause because the alcohol, I guess, is just one of many vehicles that, you know, could be used to cope. So I guess that, that must have been a pretty pretty big and ongoing journey, I mean, for all of us in, in different ways. But um, that would have been, yeah, something that was sort of a, a big journey for you to, to sort of start delving into. Yeah, I mean, initially, like, there was a period of time when I stopped drinking and I, and it felt like it did answer all my problems, right? I had, like, I felt amazing at the beginning that I'd stopped and, you know, I was could remember the weekends and I wasn't sort of losing all of my money in one day when I got paid and stuff like that. But I think as time went by and it kind of settled down, that's when I was sort of realised that actually alcohol was just something that I used to try and get away from the problem. You know, alcohol wasn't the problem. Alcohol, my the way that I used alcohol was the reaction to the problem, really. Um, and that's when the work really began, I think, for me as a person, because then I had to kind of look at myself and question, you know, why do I struggle so much? Where does that come from? And like what I've found really is that so much of how I experience the world and so much of how I behave um, makes a lot of sense when, when I trace it back and I start to look at my life and I start to look at it in, in that way. And so, um, I guess like at the core of the message that I try and get across to people is that, um, it's not necessarily about being, about being broken and needed, needing fixing. It's just more about having to become aware and understand why, why I feel the ways that I do, you know, and that's been the journey for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, how, how much of, um, how, how many people do you think are, um, sort of acting out because of things that have happened in their past, you know, like what, what you were saying with your upbringing and these different things that happened, how many people do you think, you know, whether it's, I mean, trauma is obviously a huge thing, um, from, from the work you've done, have you seen that's something that, um, a lot of people are unaware that they're, they're affected by yeah, I mean, like when you ask how many people do I think are affected by it, I think it's like a scale that we all sit somewhere on, right? I think we're all, mm. we all have, if you look at trauma as not being about what happened to us, but what happened inside of us as a result of the things that happened to us, if you look at it more like internal wounding, then much like it would be very difficult to reach 
18 years of age without a little bump or a physical scrape, you know, I think the same is true internally. And I think we're all, everyone to some degree is doing something, whether it's alcohol or food or exercise or any other substance or behavior. I think everybody's doing something in a way to, to escape how they feel to some degree, right? And I, I actually think that's why the work in the end is about awareness because I might have stopped drinking alcohol and using drugs in the way that I have, but I've used lots of other different things in the last 10 years to escape the ways that I feel, and I still do, right? And the flip side of that is that sometimes escape is exactly what I need, right? I need a break from how I feel, um, but I just need to be aware that that's what I'm doing because I used to just blindly pretend everything was okay um, when actually it was getting darker and darker all the time, you know? Yeah, and, and it's another good point because, I, I, you know, I know for me exercise um, very quickly became sort of went from being a healthy thing to um, and a, a way to cope to, you know, a very unhealthy thing and you can start, you know, abusing that in the same way that I was with alcohol and different things that, you know, you can become sort of obsessive with anything, whether it's a healthy thing or or an unhealthy thing, they can all sort of lead to a similar similar outcome, really. Yeah, exactly. And and the thing about getting addicted to something like exercise, which is you know something that happens to me all the time, is nobody calls you out on no nobody calls you out on that, right? And in fact, actually, what you get called is dedicated, and you get lots of praise, and people are asking you how you did it, right? You know, because you, when you when you're like obsessed with exercise, you look good, you look in shape, and so everyone wants tips on how to look in shape. And there's been so many times when people have asked me for tips on how to eat well and get in shape. And I think, well, the truth is, is that I'm running away from how I feel and I just obsessively exercise all the time, right? <laughs> so it's a fine, it's a fine line, I think, with things like that all the time. But but like you say, if if I'm not dealing with how I feel in and I'm just, you know, going for a run for the fifth time today because I can't stand still, because when I do, I hate the way that I feel it's a problem, you know, and it's, it's really not that different from drinking every day to run away from the ways I feel. No, it's so interesting because, you know, there's so many levels to it. And it's, I guess, like we, we live in a world where we're taught that, um, you know, like what you were just saying, then that all of these different behaviors, if you work more, if you, you know, if you've got like a CEO of a huge company that's putting in, you know, 16 hour days, seven days a week, he doesn't have enough time to, you know, spend five minutes with his kid and, He's bringing in all this money and he's doing what uh, society has told us you meant to do. That's that's actually applauded when actually that guy's probably just running away from a, you know, a million different problems and using different things to prop himself up and he's going to eventually just completely break and have a meltdown. And um, it makes it harder to, to actually break out of that pattern because we're, we're, we're doing what we're taught we're meant to do. Exactly. And, that, you know, that's what I, I, I've sort of always said that, addiction in and of itself isn't actually stigmatized it's only certain addictions that are so like um if you're addicted to alcohol you might get stigmatized for that right if you're addicted to drugs you might get stigmatized but if you're addicted to work well then like you said you'll probably get called a success and and if you look at the person that's 50 years old and i don't know lost two families because of working all the time right they might have loads of money in the bank because that's a byproduct of their working all of the time but they've been through two marriages and they're alone right people will go well you know but at least you've got your business and you've worked hard all your life 
But if you take the same person and their addiction is alcohol when they've been through two families and they're all alone when they're 50, everyone will say to them, why didn't you just stop when the first marriage broke down, right? And it's yeah. it's because with you know an addiction to something like work i mean look top athletes when you listen to top athletes talk yeah they sacrifice and give up their whole life for their sport right and they're called um role models and rightly so right but i mean a lot of them are probably completely addicted and obsessed with their sport a lot of them say that i'm obsessed with this right but we applaud that um, and I get, obviously, look, there's huge differences here. Alcohol and drugs destroy your life very quickly, right? But some of the underlying internal feelings and some of the underlying emotions as a result of these things are going to be very similar. And the point in that is is not that um, they're exactly the same. The point is, is that, you know, the successful person on the street is not as different to the homeless person that they walk past as they like to think that they are. Do you know what I mean? They've got way more in common than they believe. Yeah. And I, that's the conversation that's not often sort of had. No, it's sad that it's not had enough. And it is, it is such a fine line. I was living in um, Vancouver for two years and I was, I, which I didn't even know they had such a um, homeless epidemic there. And mm. I was living sort of near Hastings street where there's sort of, it's one of the biggest um, worst sort of, cases of it in, in the world and i'd walk past it every day but i'd walk there and just you know um think about it every time i was going down that area and just remind myself that literally it, it might come down to like one one thing one extra thing happening in their life going wrong compared to my life or someone else's life that puts you in that position and it's literally no different and then once you're in that position you're you're stuck in that cycle and that's what people don't realize you know how yeah how similar it is like you're saying it's like it, it's really you know it doesn't take much. Yeah. Or, or what worked for them, you know, they might've been through the same as you, but what worked for them turned out to be alcohol and drugs. And what works for me at the moment is, I don't know, work and exercise. Right. So like, and, and who gets to decide which one works for you? Because again, when I look at like alcohol, for example, I don't think alcohol's inherently bad. Right. I think it's a great social lubricant. And I think there's lots of people that have healthy, you know certainly not unhealthy relationships with alcohol they can use it as a way of having some release and having a bit of wind down and you know as a social lubricant but people like me the, the relationship became too toxic in the end but that's but that's only because it kind of stopped working at the beginning when I used to use it it did everything that I wanted it to do and more I loved it you know and and so I think that's the kind of thing about addiction is that um, when you find something that works, if you, if you are carrying like a high level of wounding, then you're going to do what it is that works. You're going to do it a lot, right? Because it makes you feel good. And, and so the difference is often I drank to get right in the end. It didn't, it, I didn't drink to enhance my life. I, I drank to just get to an even keel, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. And I, what I do with exercise, and I exercise every day, what I do with that's not too dissimilar. I have to exercise every morning, really, to keep myself mentally in a, in a decent place. You know, if I stop exercising, I really unravel pretty quickly. No, exactly. At least it's a healthy alternative. And, you know, exactly. exercise, yeah. 
and it, it can be used while you're you know working on the other stuff and it's the same for me if i don't actually i didn't this morning i, I was sort of up because i'm working in australia but i can actually feel it if i don't work exercise in the morning my brain is like not um not operating properly it's it's, yeah. it's like it is it's like you, you need it but um i think you know these things and it's again part of the education that we can use these healthy tools not as a solution but as a as a sort of one part of this you know sort of complicated process of delving into the the deeper sort of work to to start to break down you know why do we feel these compulsions and this need to um to do these different behaviors yeah i'm finding things that you know having that awareness and like you say exercising every morning causes no problem right i it's a routine that i'm in i do it i get up early specifically so it doesn't sort of affect my family routine and all that kind of stuff it has a good impact on me right and i have an awareness of the impact that it does on me and i also have an awareness of um some of the things that it helps me with right and i think that's one of the big differences when i was trapped in sort of addiction to, to, to alcohol i wouldn't have sat here and said i had a problem with alcohol right i i would have said that i work hard so i i play hard yeah and i deserve a good drink and you know i went a bit over the top last week because i mixed my drinks but that's not normally what happens when it clearly was what happened every single time you know so it was like steeped in denial but but that awareness that i have in my life today is is much less about denial and way more about awareness you know yeah yeah for sure um so for what what was your what was the career path back then before you got on the path you're on now what were you sort of you know what, yeah what, what was what did that look like i literally worked in a factory so um when i was when i left school i was i'd like been involved in sort of like gangs and stuff and i was searching for meaning in my life and my sort of drink and drug use was pretty out of control by the time i was about 15 um but when my when my first daughter was born when i was 18 i sort of remember thinking that the, the game's up now i need to do life properly so um i got so a job young. and i got yeah. yeah it's too young i mean like it's it was it was certainly too young for me you know 18 years old i look back now <laughs> you know i feel too young to have children now and i'm 35 nearly um so 18 was um 18 was was too young but i got a house i had a mortgage at 18 years old and um i got a job in a factory my job was to sweep the floors and empty the bins in the factory um and i moved pretty quickly through my job like i always did well in my work but again work was i had it was a really physical job in the factory um, there was loads of overtime and I realized that I could work really, really hard. And when I worked really, really hard and just got my head down and got into the work, it was another escape. It was another way to not be in my mind, which was a horrible place. Um, mm. so I was working long hours, seven days a week, earning good money, but spending it all on other addictions, you know, but as a result of the kind of hard work and the graft that I was putting in, I, I progressed and, by the time I was like 23, I was upstairs in the factory working in the office as part of the like leadership team. I was uh, the transport manager. But by the time I was 24, I had four children by the time I was 24. Um, oh, wow. and it, it, like I was married. It was a, an incredibly toxic relationship. And um, behind all that, the marriage had fallen apart. So by the time I was 24, 
I was £17,000 in debt. The marriage had completely broken down. I had four children and I was living on a fold-out mattress at my mum's house. Um, and that's when my life really started to unravel. That's when I thought, well, I'll quit drinking alcohol. Um, I, I couldn't deal with how I felt, really, when you took the alcohol away. I was having, like, real bad panic attacks. Um, and that's when I actually... Um, very seriously planned to take my own life when I was 24, uh, sober. I always say it took me 10 years to nearly drink myself to death. It took me nine months to nearly sober myself to death. And what, what the thing was is that when people say you should talk about how you felt, how I felt at that stage, like I don't know if people were ready to hear it. Do you know what I mean? I, I didn't, if I'd have vocalized what I was feeling, it wouldn't have sounded like I'm really struggling with anxiety. It would have been full of like venom and, hatred and I just didn't know where to go with it um and I made a decision to not be here and I went to see my kids and because of that decision that I'd made I think what happened is the past became irrelevant the future was non-existent and for the first time ever I was present with my kids right because everything that was clouding my mind was gone because of what I thought was going to happen and I changed my mind and it was that moment really of changing my mind where I then realized I need to, I need to work on whatever this is inside of me that's causing the problem. And that's been the journey, you know, for the last 10 years, um, has been searching within myself and questioning. And, you know, I find things that really work for a while and then they stop and then I find something else. And, um, I guess the irony is, is that one of my main obsessions over the last 10 years has been self work. Right. So, <laughs> In and of itself, that's another addiction, right? Just obsessively looking in and trying to find out more about myself. <laughs> so it all leads back. So, yeah, so many exactly, so many levels to it. But I mean, it, it's so cool, mate. That's such a such an amazing story, so powerful. And um, I mean, that now that you've been able to actually channel that into, you know, like you're saying, doing the self work, but then also, you know, you're doing this as a career. You're educating other people. I mean, it's a beautiful thing that you're. And I think it's so important as well. That's how we can make real change, hearing from people that have actually been through it. And, you know, people want to relate. So I think it's it's incredibly powerful. And um, I know for, for me, you know, I presume it's similar. It's sort of get as much at yourself by trying to help other people um, because it sort of helps you understand yourself in the process as well. Oh, definitely. I mean, it's one of the, one of the key tools really for me staying well is to been make sure to, that I give give away you know it's been it's been massive for me because i need to stay connected with with people regularly otherwise i go into myself and i go into hiding you know internally i'll go into hiding um so to be able to do it as a job i mean i have to pinch i have to pinch myself that um that i do this for work because you know i really in many ways have reached what i would think what feels like a bit of a pinnacle where if you asked me if money didn't matter at all, what would you do? Like my answer would probably be what I'm doing now in my life today. Right. Yeah. And I sort of say that tentatively because I don't want to tempt fate. Do you know what I mean? But like, I mean, it's really true for me. Um, it's really true for me. And I'm like, like I said, I have to pinch myself internally grateful to be able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's, um, and again, you know, it's like pretty hard to find that, like, 
I, I say to myself all the time, like, and I stress about other things, you know, I'm like still wanting to, you know, I'm naturally competitive, looking at friends that are making a huge amount of money in different startups or businesses or whatever it is. And you get caught up in all of that thinking. But then I remind myself, you know, there's very few people that actually find that if you strip everything away, if money wasn't part of the equation, what would you actually spend your days doing? And, uh, you know, I feel like similar to what you said, I found that and I think that makes you, you know, one of the luckiest people if you can have that because you, I, I made all of these people that, you know, are making a lot of money and they're, they're, not, they're unhappy and they're, they're sort of on this treadmill and it's like, what's next? And, um, you know, it's not, not their fault because it's, we're not taught to really think any differently. But I think, yeah, to find that it is really lucky um, mm. and it's something, you know, we need to educate others about. We need to educate other people about just being able to, strip things back and, you know, look at how do you actually define success? You know, what, what, what does that mean to you? Because it's different for everyone, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, and I have different, I, I guess I have different um, types of success in my life. Do you know what I mean? If you took what I do for work and said, what does success look then? And what does success look like as a dad? And what does it look like as a husband and all of those things? Um, but ultimately laced through all of them, is the ability to kind of be with myself and know who I am and to be present in all of those experiences, you know? And I don't always, I don't always find that easy to be present in my experiences, you know? And I, and I miss a lot because of that. I miss a lot from, um, from not being present. <laughs> yeah. And from like doing things that are pretty special, but for whatever reason I was overwhelmed and so wasn't able to be present, you know, and I miss a lot in that way. Um, but the old saying of this too shall pass, you may have may not, you know, often it's quite a well-used quote now. For sure. But, but it's, it's useful, you know, because it's useful in the bad times, but it's also useful in those moments when I do feel present, I like really think I'm going to try and, you know, I'm really going to enjoy these moments when I'm really there because for me, they're sometimes fleeting, you know? No, same for me, mate. I've actually got, this too shall pass as a um, reminder daily on my phone. <laughs> oh, so, wow. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely a fan of that one. Uh, <laughs> I love that. What? So does it just come up on your phone like uh, a certain time or random times every day? Certain times. I've got little different things to try and remind. Not, not they don't really often, you know, I don't follow them often, but yeah, I have them prop up on the phone as a, a daily reminder just to, um love that. get my, <laughs> get I love my that. back in yeah um so for, with with like with your work how how do you find the balance of um or is this hard for you to find the balance with doing it and then not obsessing about the work and sort of looking you know taking away from what you're doing in your own mind and you know looking at how you can just sort of get to the next level the next level the next level how do you find is it hard for you to find Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. of you know really embracing what you're doing but also not looking so far ahead 
Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, whenever anybody starts a question off to me of um, how do you find the balance, my head straight away goes. The answer to this is going to be that I don't, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, look, I. I do a lot of work to try and stay as balanced and I tend to try and use the word inclusive, right? Where I'm like, you know, I try and make sure that I include the good and the bad and all that kind of stuff because balance is like really hard, but I, you know, I have a lot of spaces in my life. For me, I have some men that I meet with regularly, either in person or online um, just to go over things and kind of hold myself a little bit accountable because like the truth is, is I run, I get, I run away with all of it. You know, I, 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 I've got my on like examples. I've got my online course, you know, and I just love that I'm able to do this thing that I created that gives people the opportunity to kind of go on the similar journey to what I went on. Right. And I've done it. And when I, when I did it and I put it out there for the first time and people signed up, it was just like, I, I can't believe I'm doing this. But then very quickly, I'm on to, right, next one I'm going to do, I want double the people on it. And then if you're not careful, the next one isn't about what it what it started out as, right? The next one's about doubling the numbers. And so I have to like really bring myself back and go, no, remember why you're doing this. Everything else will come. And that's been my experience, by the way. When I'm, when I'm fully aligned with it, everything else comes. Um, so you do get caught up in it. Same with like even you know, and this is probably relatable to a lot of people like social media metrics, you mm-hmm. know, like, um, I recently had like a big influx of followers on my Instagram and my head's in it. Then I'm like crazy, you know, I'm on it every day, checking arcade there's another X amount of people have followed me, but, and then I'm, and then it's obviously like it does on socials and that you have these little influx if something does well, and then it like teeters off and slows off. And then you're like, oh no, I need to keep this level now because this doesn't feel as good as it did when it was there. And it's it's so easy. I mean, I'd love to tell you that I'm on top of it all and it never runs away with me, but that's just not my truth. It does. Um, but what I have in my life today is processes to be able to catch that as soon as I can, or at least be aware of it and be like, I'm way caught up in this at the moment. I need to pull myself away. And, and so I'm much... I catch, I catch it much, much quicker today and then can bring myself back into something that feels more centralized, you know, that's not so polarized in one way. So I don't know if that, I don't know if that fully answers the question or whether it just sounds like I don't, <laughs> the answer is no, I don't find balance, but that's probably true to a degree. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know if there is such thing as proper, perfect balance anyway. And it's like, you know, like the stuff you're saying, like, I think there's no, it's not about, um, there's no end to this stuff. Like, it's like, mm. it's not about finding, oh, I'm going to, you know, ev- eventually get to a point where I can manage myself and not get caught up in things. We're human and we live in, it's actually impossible. I think it's the wrong messaging that people give to people that let's just solve a problem. It's like we learn and we grow and we make mistakes and we change and we evolve until we die. Otherwise, you know, what are you doing? And um, I think it's more really about having that self-awareness to awareness and honesty like what you were talking about there than trying to get it right and and i think in the industries we're in i've seen so many people where exactly what you were saying happens people get caught up in they have a bit of success and then it goes to the next level and then you know five years down the track it's turned into something that is just completely 
uh, in contrast to, to why they actually started doing it in the first place. And it's lost all the authenticity and uh, impact of, you know, why they did it. And they don't really, and then they've actually just gone back to probably what they were before. It's like this weird thing. So it's, it's, it's human nature to, you know, to behave like that, but um, it's about catching ourselves and being honest and being accountable or having people to keep us accountable and, and realizing that, that's going to be a forever process, but we've just got to manage it. I think that's like yeah. one of the key points. Yeah. There's a guy, I don't know if you ever heard of Alan Watts. It's like an old I school have, philosopher. Yeah. yeah. He says that life yeah, is like it. a, he's brilliant. Isn't he? Yeah. Uh, he says that life is very much like a dance, you know, that, that, that it's not about getting from start to the finish, right? No dance is about how quickly you can get to the, to the end it's all about what you do in the middle and the way in which you dance and move in the middle and i think without kind of being too out there that that is what life is like for me you know and the times when i have felt like i've had it all figured out they're always followed by a big crash you know and it comes back to yeah this this too shall pass right when i think i've got it all figured out it will pass <laughs> and i'll be back down there again thinking I've, I've got no idea what's going on and i don't know where to go from here you know <laughs> and that's life like you say and you grow and you evolve and you change as a result right no it's so true it's and it's like sort of we know these things and then time and time again you know every bit of evidence tells me like i um i don't know there'll be anything i was wanting to do a book and then that happened got that out there and you know you sort of i spent probably a day or something when it came out thinking, oh, this is so cool. I've done this book. You sort of feeling gratitude. And then a day later, I'm thinking, okay, what, you know, why is it not selling more? What's next? I need to do the next project. <laughs> I need to go and make, I need to make a film now. Well, why have I not, not made a film? What's, what's going on? Uh, and yeah. it's sort of, it's like literally no end. I think like Donald Trump is probably the, the epitome of looking at that example of the guy's become president and that's still not enough for him it's like well what the hell you know like when are you going to be happy when can you relax yeah it's no end <laughs> yeah and it's it's true isn't it and, and and again like you know we all get caught up in that right we all get caught up in that and i you know it's great to be in the company of people who who can admit that you know and, and could be you know this is who i am and this is what i recognize about myself because as you say i think there's a lot of people in this i see a lot of things online anyway where people are sort of talking about doing X, Y, and Z and smashing life and everything being perfect as a result. And I think it's never happened for me or if, if, at the times that, like I say, it's felt like it's happened at times, but then it's ultimately followed by a crash. And I, you know, but that's how I've developed yeah, humility, I guess. Exactly. I guess like people like The Rock who actually love, I find inspiring, but I think the messaging is so wrong. It's like, you got to be the hardest work in the room. I, I sleep for three hours a night. I do this. It's like, most people would try that for a day and have a bloody breakdown. Like it's not going to work and it's not, but that we're surrounded by that kind of messaging everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and and that, again, that's like the kind of um, nothing's black and white. Yeah. Because I'm like you, I really like the rock. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and like you, I, I'm, I don't like the messaging. However, I've had times in my life where I listen to them, them videos like the rock and, uh who's the other dude from america who i can't remember his name he like ran with broken legs or something uh, anyway but you know they're like oh, you just you know what i mean why well, i can't remember his name it was nearly it was on the end of my tongue then. but like all those people who are just like push yourself to the limit like every now and then david goggins i think is goggins that's it yeah yeah that's him mate yeah yeah like every now and then i need a bit of that like i need a bit of like <laughs> exactly. a, a like give me some like i'm gonna do that i'm gonna 
I need some of that energy sometimes. So I feel like, you know, there's, there's space for it all in the end, really, right? Um, because like you, I think the messaging is is wrong. And, you know, if I'm going to go, if I want to go for a long run or something, or I want to push myself, I'm listening to The Rock and Dave Cockett, right? In the morning, that's what I'm doing. So, yeah, yeah. So there's a space for all of it, I guess, isn't there? Yeah, it just again comes down to education. I think if someone's not educated and doesn't have that self awareness, that's when it can become dangerous. And you can sort of, yeah. you can't then, like the way you were talking about it, make that decision and think, okay, I'm going to use this, you know, for this this component of my life, but I'm not going to live by every word that these people say. Um, like, hey, I mean, you, I, I read you, you know, resilience is something you talk about a lot and do a lot of work with men. You know, what 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 is some of the um messaging that you try and push forward to them or how do you how do you how, how do you go about that work and, and what do you see with, with with men how big of a problem um you know are things like toxic masculinity and things like that i think yeah i think it's a big problem um i think actually any kind of the sort of gender stereotypes that are pushed onto children from a young age i think are a problem right i always say like um mm-hmm it's much safer for young boys in school lessons to, to be angry than it is for them to cry. Right. Because if they cry in, if you cry in sort of secondary school, yeah. Um, you're going to get bullied, right. It's not, it's not safe to do that. Um, that we need that to change. Um, the, the, the opposite is true for women, by the way, right. Women, angry young girls, are you know, they'll find themselves in a doctor's surgery pretty quickly. If they, if a boy throws a chair in a lesson, he'll get thrown out and then, maybe sit in isolation and come back in the lesson the next day. If a girl threw a chair, people would be like, there's something wrong with this child. Right. So, so like the gender stereotypes are a big thing, but when it comes to, um, when it comes to resilience, I think I always separate toughness, um, as being slightly separate to resilience. So if you take somebody like David Goggins, right. Or the rock, I think what they do is they talk consistently always about toughness. Now I think we need a bit of toughness uh sometimes you need to be you need a bit of david you need like we were just saying yeah but if you think of a tough material as something like a hard plastic the strength is that it can take a lot of impact and it stays fixed and strong and exactly as you need it but the problem with that is that too much impact and it will snap and when it snaps you can't use it anymore it's it's completely useless yeah so so you can't just be tough all of the time long-term resilience to me is more like being like elastic knowing that you can sort of bend and distort and you can move out of shape and the strength is that you can return to your original form afterwards um and so you need both i think Mm. what i recognize in a a lot of people particularly in men is that they think resilience is to just be tough and so they're just constantly thinking i need to stay fixed and strong and unaffected by everything and we lose a lot of men because of that. You know, they reach their breaking point. I was 24 and I reached mine and we very nearly lost me. And that was my breaking point. Mm. And today I'm much more able to know when, when I'm overwhelmed or I'm deeply affected by something, I have an awareness today that I am and an awareness that I need to do something about that, you know? Um, and that's what I teach. Um, and that's what I try and get people to explore with me. Um, and it can be quite, you know, it could be really impactful for people to realize I don't have to be tough all the time. You know, I can be more like elastic and I can allow myself to, 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 to move out of shape. No, oh, I think completely liberating because you sort of, like you're saying, people get to that point that, that you were at, that, that I've been close to because they, 
if you feel like there's no other option than to be strong and keep pushing forward, then that will snap you. So, but so it's mm. completely liberating to to be able to say to yourself, "Hey, it's okay. Even if I fuck up, even if this happens, even if I make the wrong choice, even if my worst fear in the future actually comes true, it's, it's going to be okay." Yeah, if you can really believe that, then that's the most powerful thing because then what what can nothing you, you know you know you can deal with anything when when you're living in that mindset you know that nothing's gonna you know nothing's gonna break you in in that way yeah yeah it's so true and uh, and like you say liberating is a really good word actually that's i think a lot of men do find it liberating to um because i always bring my own experience to all the work that i do and i think that's important i, I think particularly with men by the way i think that men mm-hmm. are much better at learning shoulder to shoulder so like feeling like I'm coming in next to you and being shoulder to shoulder with you and saying, here, let's share some experiences and, and let's talk about some things that have worked with for me and, and share. I think men learn better that way than they do than, you know, an expert stood at the front saying you should do X, Y, and Z, you know, uh, that shoulder to shoulder learning resonates with a lot of men. And so when I share my own experience and like when you share yours, you know, I think it gives men permission to explore and share theirs and that you know that's really powerful because i never had that when i was growing up and you know i never had that i never had that when i was in my early 20s and really struggling i never saw another man like talk about their struggle in a way that felt that resonated but but also gave me hope you know like when 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 you share then that you've been to that place but I see you there as the person that you are today, as somebody who's living a certain life and you're still struggling. That gives me a, a, like a lot of hope, you know? I would have certainly done when I was in my early 20s and there was nothing like that out there. And that's what I needed, you know? No, it's same to me, exactly. And it's like, it is it is so true. And you, um, the first, you know, whenever I started over 10 years ago, the first talk I ever did was just sharing my own story and. The work that I do to this day with with Move Your Mind, with the educational work, the the I still feel like the most powerful thing is just storytelling or doing what we're doing here, just telling you know, sharing stories, being honest and authentic, going and ha- you know, I make sure to incorporate that in everything because I've just seen it um, as as you, you're saying, I've seen it time and time again. I've been in companies where I've done a talk and um, we had you know one of them, we had a group of men in you know a factory where. It's, they've been in this same factory for the last 25 years and they're sort of sniggering at the beginning, you know, who's this kid coming and telling us about mental health and eventually, mm. you, just, you know, you, you get them to open up and we had one of them come up. Um, it was like a Friday afternoon on this one and he came up to me and the head of HR and told us he had a plan to end his life in two days' time and he wasn't coping. And this was a guy that everyone saw as, you know, a leader in the company, never had a problem. People, you know, relied on him. He had three kids um, and he just was about to snap. He felt thought there was no way out and he talked about it and he went and got help. And, you know, it's not like we did anything groundbreaking. Um, everyone can do it, but it's because um, for the first time in his life, potentially, he felt like he it was maybe okay to, to go and just talk about the problem rather than put on the front. So it's, wow. it is so, so critical, you know, these kind of conversations. Yeah, and that's again, especially for men, you know. And I think, you know, wow, what a powerful story, by the way. What a powerful story. And, you know, just from you sharing in the way that you did made him feel seen in a way that saved his life. 
and I think um, for many different reasons, there's it doesn't that gets undervalued. Because um, when I look at like the big moments in my journey, they mainly come from an experience with somebody who just articulated something that I couldn't articulate. So it was trapped in me, you know, somebody says, Oh, I don't know. I feel like this and this happens. And I'm like, that's me. You've said like, you vocalized what I'm feeling and it's a huge breakthrough. Um, so I, you know, you can never underestimate the power of it, particularly, you know, all the work that I do. Um, and it sounds similar to, 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 to the way in which you do yours. I'm all about keeping it human and I'm all about it being real. And let's really like, explore and become curious about who we are as people rather than making it all academic all the time because a lot of the people i work with the whole academic stuff doesn't necessarily always resonate they just want to feel human in their experience you know thank you so much for supporting move your mind we're expanding the offerings of the organization and we're tailoring everything we do to suit you guys and to try and answer to all of your needs and the questions that you send in the book is available globally. You can find all of the links at nickbrax.com slash book. And we've just released the Move Your Mind community. We've currently got a men's community group, a women's community group, a general group. We're going to be lo- loading up other groups. And you can find all of the links at moveyourmind.me. This group's been created based on the needs of what we've heard and learnt throughout running Move Your Mind. And we have live events. We've got courses. We've got huge amounts of value, the ability to share information, share ideas, work in groups together to to grow and share your learnings, to learn about different topics. You get email reminders. There's a whole lot of features in there. We're constantly updating it and we're so excited to share it with you. You can find all of the information about it at moveyourmind.me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, again, it's such a complicated area that there are there's enough academic stuff out there there's enough really good stuff out there and obviously if someone needs to um, see a psychologist or a psychiatrist or get professional help and you should do that stuff if you need to but there is a huge missing element in that area of how do we just teach people teach each other and learn to be human and learn to actually be go you know go back to being our most honest and authentic selves and you know that part that's been suppressed since we were a kid and has been drummed out of us because we've been programmed to, you know, think in a certain way. It's that's what, you know, is really needed. Um, mm. So a question, another question I had for you was, um, I mean, in, in your journey, what, what are some of the other things that you found have worked for you? What have been part of that process? Has it been things like, you know, has therapy been a part in it? Has it, you know, exercise you've talked about, I guess, you know, having these, authentic conversations and looking into yourself and you know what what are what are some of the things you've found that have have worked or has it just been you know trial and error or mix of different things it's been different things at different stages i would certainly say that and so like you know what's worked for me worked for me in certain moments but wouldn't or doesn't work for me currently do you know what i mean so it's always it's always like you say ever changing ever evolving um group work has been really important for me I find group work more powerful on a personal level than I do one-to-one. I find one-to-one work a little bit too intense. um, And I also end up in one-to-one work becoming a good patient rather than actually doing any work on Mm. myself. Right. I get caught up in that. Um, That's just my experience. Um, 
So group work's been really, really important for me. Uh, spaces with other people that are struggling, right? Like peer-to-peer -peer groups have been really, really, really some of the biggest stuff for me. Um, and then more recently, well, not more. when I say more recently, I mean in the last sort of four, five years, breathwork became a really big part of uh, what I use. Um, and I deliver a lot of breathwork sessions myself now. And um, that for me is a good way of being able to process and release emotions without necessarily having to rationalize and talk about them. Because the yeah. thing with me and the thing with me and talking is that I have the ability to talk myself out of any situation, right? I know I do. And that can be to my detriment when I'm trying to talk myself out of having to feel something because I'll talk myself out of having to feel it. And, you know, I, I'm an expert at talking about difficult situations that I experienced, but disconnecting from them and never really having to feel them. And what I found with breath work um, when done in certain ways is that goes beyond that and goes straight to the kind of emotional part of me and helps me to process and release those emotions. And so doing like a big breath work session every now and then is, has been great for me, you know, um, more recently. Yeah. No, I love all of that. And again, relate so much because it's so similar with me and the other work I do is in, in acting and I've found it so difficult with, especially so much, so many different acting techniques to sort of get out of my head, but there's, I've been doing this one called PEM. It's like a German, it's like Perdekamp method, I think is the name, and it's all to do with breathing and it's like using these different um, breathing and physical sort of movements to actually evoke an emotion. And, and that I found works so well because then you don't have the opportunity to try and think, think your way through it. It's just actually having that reaction happen and, and getting it out. So it's, it, yeah, I think it's like such a powerful thing, such an important yeah. thing. Yeah, definitely. I think we often sort of rationalize as a way we use the rational part of our brain to escape the emotional part of our brain all too often, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, well, yeah, I, I think we, I had a few other things I wanted to ask, but I think you've covered so many things here and been so open. So yeah, thank you so much for, for sharing all of that. We finish um, every episode with just five closing questions and these can be um, short answers or whatever comes to mind. Um, so yeah, they can be sort of quicker, um, short fire answers. But um, the first one is, uh, what did you uh, like most about your childhood? What, or what's your best childhood memory? <sighs> <laughs> the first i've been i've been asked this i've been asked this a few times right and uh, like uh, let me tell you just truthfully the first answer that comes to my head is that when i found alcohol when i was 12 years old um uh, <laughs> that but that kind of tells you i guess a little bit about how i experienced childhood um but but lots of experiences with my mum uh i've always been very close with my mum um and we used to play these little games my mum was like the expert at creating games with pen and paper uh, and so sitting down with my mum uh, and doing these games where we were just playing the games on pen and paper uh, was my best memory. As simple as that sounds. Yeah, no, no, I, I love it. Uh, what do you think is the biggest burden on mental health in society today? Um, emotional avoidance and the ways in which we trick and deceive ourselves to emotionally avoid. I think when we look at mental mm. health, uh, if we're not careful, a lot of what's being presented as the solution is just new ways to avoid having to feel anything. Um, and I think it's, uh, I think it's a, a real problem actually. 
Yeah, that's a great answer. I really like that. Um, what's your personal definition of happiness? Um, the ability to move through my full range of emotions um, and know that that's okay. Uh, what are you most afraid of? Um, I don't know why I find this so hard to answer. I've, again, I've been asked this a few times. What am I most afraid of? Yeah. Um, I like abandonment or rejection. I think I fear the most. Uh, it's ingrained in my makeup to be likable. Yeah. Uh, so I think certainly subconsciously probably more than consciously i fear rejection more than anything yeah it's a hard one to to get past that one I'm, yeah i share that with you mate. um <laughs> uh, so final one what are, what are you most proud of um how i am as a dad today um when i was a kid because of the way that my dad was i just wanted to have kids and be a good dad uh whatever that meant and I feel like I'm, I feel like I can look all my children in the eye today and be like, I'm the best version of me that that's possible at the moment. Uh, and I'm very close with my children. Um, so that's the, yeah, without that, that's what makes me most proud. Yeah. I love that. Well, yeah. Thank you so much, mate, for being so open and coming and talking to me and oh, final thing as well for in the show notes, but um, where can we send them? Uh, my website's joshconnolly.co.uk. Um, you can find all my social links there, but I'm probably most active on, on Instagram, and that's just josh underscore FFW. Um, so, yeah. Come Perfect. See me. Come well, thank hello. you again, mate, for, for making the time. Pleasure. Enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks to Josh Connolly for joining me today for Move Your Mind. And just a reminder that the Move Your Mind book is now available globally. You can order it at nickbrax.com. And the Move Your Mind community platform is now available. We have all of our courses, live events, links to information. We've got updates, topics, video interviews of the podcast. It is there for you all to sign up to. All you need to do is go to moveyourmind.me or you can go to nickbrax.com and find the links. Thanks again for joining us today for Move Your Mind. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.